Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is live show number 27. Me and Dan got into all kinds of cool things in this episode, including how our early season in Wisconsin has been going, and some details about Ricky Poo's big Wisconsin bear he killed. So lots of good stuff on this episode. If you guys are liking the show, go over to the YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button. Leave some comments on there. That's a good way to help me out on this episode. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Before the Echo Hunting. Uh, that's all down in the description of this episode. And if you guys want a Before the Echo hat, I'll leave a link to that on my eBay store. Uh, if you guys are in, into hats, most people are, go get you a Before the Echo hat. hat. Um, I ship them out pretty much the same day you order them. Get them real quick before season starts. And I can't say how much I appreciate everybody helping me on this uh, podcast journey I'm on, the show journey I'm on, and I can't wait for uh, the future of all this stuff. So thanks, everybody. Now, enough of that. Let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Back to our normal here, me and Dan. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um. Rick's going to probably get on later as long as he gets out of the woods and all that. He's still, he was hunting tonight, which uh, I think a lot of you guys probably were in Wisconsin. That was out out. Did you see anything? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I had about uh, an 80 inch eight pointer come past me in a doe. Oh, the doe nice. was kind of interesting because uh, I was setting up my stand. I even uh, cut a couple limbs. Real close to the tree, I was trying to be real quiet and get to stand in this new spot. And uh, I was only two sticks up. So, I mean, the stand was almost reachable from the ground, just barely out of my reach. Yeah. And I got into the stand and uh, turned around, and there was a doe right underneath me, like five yards from me, feeding. Jeez. I, you didn't so it I just got in there pretty quiet. <laughs> I saw your Facebook post. Uh, were you in a, like in a, were you in a marsh or a swamp or? I was at Dave's farm, but I was in a really oh. thick area. Oh, I got you. Cool. Um, how was, uh, how's the rest of the season been going? Not good. I'm really, I haven't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really talked to you about, it sounds like you had the same experience I did in Wisconsin the first four days of the season. Yeah, it could have been better, but I got a, yeah. I got a slow start with the bears and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't even get out opening day, did you? No. Yeah. First opening day I've ever missed. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. I kind of struggled in Wisconsin. We, my, our whole group kind of did um, the first the first few days there. We, I mean, I was they only hunted two days. I hunted four. But uh, finally, that on Tuesday, I finally got on some deer. Um, I I kind of, I think I, we, we all kind of screwed up, in my opinion, on uh, – you guys have that squirrel season that opens Saturday as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we, a lot of the guys I was hunting with, they had pictures of pretty nice deer up in some oaks and here and there. And, and I don't think we were pushed in the swamps and stuff far enough. I think, um, we'd been better off. I, uh, on Tuesday, when the day before I left, I finally jumped into the middle of a, got deep into a swamp and started seeing a whole bunch of deer. Um, but it is what it is. I, I kayaked in one spot, which is remote, <clears throat> but there ended up, I, as soon as I got out of the kayak, got into the island and I saw uh, there was a cell camera there and stuff. So someone else had already been, been in there, which there was no way for me to know that. I just, um, 
just kind of a bad bad luck, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, but anyway, last the the last evening, I could have shot a button buck, but I held off. <laughs> I did have a couple doe tags. Yeah. Um, so, so I got out uh, on uh, Sunday, and I went on, down to a uh, little thick. Um, public area that I hunted real close to the opening. I don't know. I don't think it was opening day, but I think I hunted it that Sunday last yeah. year. And uh, last year I got in there and there was a whole bunch of sign up in the front of the property and no sign of hunters. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of hee-hawed around and pushed back to the back. And then I had a buck come past me, but it was a little buck. And then I let it go. And then, uh, this year I was thinking, well, if the signs in there like that, maybe I need to hunt the front because there's, there's good bedding there and cross traffic. So I slid in there and the sign was there, but it, um, it appeared to be old. And I found one huge fresh bed, um, that had obviously been, been used a lot. That was right on the trail to get back there. Cause nobody had been back there all, all summer, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go in a different way though. So any, any who, um, I got back to the first area and there was a lot of sign. I mean, everything was browsed onto the ground and, and tracks everywhere, but it all looked like about a week old, but I thought, well, there has to be something moving through here with this much sign. They couldn't all abandon it, you know? Yeah. And I sat there till dark and didn't see a deer. And when I went to leave, I heard one blowing in the distance. Um, apparently hearing me get down or something, but, uh, so then I went back to that same spot and figured I'm going to go way to the back the next time I hunted. And, uh, I got to the back and I got all set up and I'm in my tree and the same thing. There was a lot of browse and stuff and sign, but it was older sign. Yeah. But there was a oak tree there, you know, that was dropping acorns and there was very few oak trees anywhere out there. It's a swamp, you know? So I'm sitting there and, uh, um, I must've been there an hour. And, um, I hear something to my left and I'm looking for it. So I'm kind of moving up and down trying to see into the brush. It turned out to be a squirrel, but while I was looking up and down, trying to see what was moving, I got my head in a position where I could see a tree about 15 yards from me and a cell cam looking right at me. Yeah. And it looked like it was freshly set. There's some clipped branches and stuff. So I think that's why there was no deer moving. I, I, I see a big trend with people around here. Um, the young people. Um, just going out and throwing cell cams everywhere and then just, just watching cameras for where to hunt. Yeah. Which, you ruin spots. I mean, if you did, if you just went in there and hunted, right. You'd have done much better, but anywho, so I, I got out of that spot and then, uh, the last hunt I had, uh, beyond today, yesterday, um, I decided to go back over kind of in the same area where I shot that buck last year, but not that far back yet and uh i got about 100 yards from the truck slipped through some marsh to to a little island and there's a cell cam looking at me Hmm. so i went to the end of that island dropped through a swamp went through some deeper water and out to a different island that uh, has some isolated oaks on it that uh usually has really good you know, um, bucks traveling there, uh, opening week, if there's acorns dropping and I never see people out there. 
because you got to go through water that goes a little over your boots to get there. Yeah. I got out there and there was climber marks in the tree I usually hunt out of. Mm. Quite a few. So somebody hadn't been there once. He was there several times in the opening four days. So um, probably at least three times. So it was probably the only night he wasn't there was the day I walked up to that tree. So I thought, well, or he wasn't there yet. Um, I thought I got a little bit of time yet. I'll drop across this to the other side of the property and, and hit a spot over there that nobody ever gets into. It's a, you got to go through a jungle to get over there. So I crawled through the dang jungle and got up to it. And there's one tree in there that's dead and it's crooked and you can get about six feet off the ground and it really shouldn't support a tree and a stand. And it's kind of, yeah. nobody would ever think to hunt in it. I got to it and, uh, there's marks from a stand in it and there's, cut limbs and shooting lanes right from where I sit. So uh, now I'm running out of time. So I just dove through the swamp and went to another um, uh, piece of high ground that has uh, some oaks on it. And I couldn't see any sign of hunters, but it's a little more uh, uh, likely a hunter would go there than the last couple of spots I was at. Right. So I had no more time and I thought, well, there was some sign of some good deer in there. So I set up a stand there and, and hunted till dark and I, I saw absolutely nothing. And then when I got down coming out, I had the red glow of a camera in my face about a hundred yards from there. Jeez. So I've never seen that much pressure in that area in my life. It's probably because I shot that deer in there last year. So, yeah, I don't know why yeah. people would gravitate to an area where, Number one, somebody else haunts. I don't, I don't want to compete with a good hunter. And number number two, where the buck's already dead. And, you know, th- those bucks are everywhere. You just have to find them where you're at, you know. Right, but, right. Whatever. Is what it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that was kind of the same story I had the whole time until I finally, I mean, that, that last set I set, I, I was probably maybe, it was only half a mile from the road, but it probably took me two hours to walk that half mile because it was so thick and nasty and tangly and everything else um and then that finally when i saw i ended up seeing like four i think four deer and then i heard a couple more i mean i could only see like a 20 yard little area in front of me you know um and i jumped a jumped a deer walking in and then where i jumped him at there was some you know real nice big rubs i think it was a just a single deer too and that kind of had had me thinking it was a mature deer or a buck you know uh, but it's my last evening, how it always goes, it seems like. But, um, yeah, we were kind of, honestly, we were chasing cameras around the first couple days, and we should have just, I should have, you know, that, that last spot, I finally just went um, went into a, a spot that was looked like it's hard to get to, and that's that's where I ended up having good luck, you know. Um, I did. I was going to go to an uh, island that you had to have a waiter or, or hip boots to get into, and I, uh, when I pulled up to the parking spot, there was a guy – putting his waiters on <laughs> and uh i got to talking to him and i was like i was like oh where are you going man and he's like oh, i'm gonna go out there on that island i'm like well that's where i was gonna go to i'll just i'll go to another spot so i ended up driving down the road and uh finding a, another spot so uh, i had a squirrel hunter walk in on me one evening um came into like 50 yards and never saw me i tried to whistle at him and stuff but he still couldn't he just couldn't figure out where i was he turned around and walked away finally mm-hmm. but I was actually in some hill country stuff, which there's not much of that over there. And it made me a little bit nervous because where he was like where he was at and down the ridge and where I was at, 
he was like, you know, if he'd have seen a squirrel in front of him, I was pretty well right in line with him. I was like trying to get him to see me. Uh, but he, he just turned around and walked away. Finally, he killed a bunch of squirrels. I heard him shoot a dozen times, probably all the way up to me. It kept getting louder and louder. The shots did until I finally, he finally popped out of the brush. Um, but we don't have that around here. We don't have the small game hunters like you guys do. Well, we used to where I'm at and they kind of went away here. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? I, haven't, I don't know. Hmm. I just haven't seen many around here. Um, in recent years, um, I don't know. Yeah, they're parked everywhere around where I was hunting at. Um, I did have a um, something interesting happen yesterday that I wanted to mention. I was thinking about yesterday I was going to go to this uh, spot. I, you remember that last uh, video me and Eric did where we scouted that big swamp? Yeah. We found all those really cool spots. I was going to go back to that swamp and hunt that ridge edge. And uh, I mean, when we scout that, that was two or three weeks ago. It wasn't very long ago. Um, so we were going to go back and uh, and I was going to hunt that ridge. And uh, I went on to, um, you know, the weather channel, check the wind. And I wasn't sure exactly how the ridge laid out. So I wanted to check the wind to the ridge. So I pulled up the, the, the map of the property and it no longer says Wisconsin DNR. It has somebody's name on it as private property. Two weeks ago, it was Wisconsin DNR. Hmm. So um, I sent a message to um, the Jefferson County um, biologist, and I asked him uh, if it was uh, sold and uh, why it was sold, and and so on. And you know, um, I I didn't get an answer, so I sent the same message to. Um, the, the warden out here, the local warden. Um, and uh, then finally, um, the biologist answered me and he said uh, that uh, it was sold because of a mandate that, uh, um, how do you say it, that uh, your Republicans, Scott Walker, put through, you know, and uh, forced us to sell 10,000 acres. And this is part of it. That property had to go because we were forced to do this. And uh, I just thought that didn't sound right. And then uh phone rang and it was the, uh, the warden. And he said, what property got sold? And I told him and he goes, well, heck, I was just out there a couple of weeks ago. I confiscated somebody's uh, stand they left out there. He says, that's sold? He goes, they didn't tell me. And I said, yeah, it's it's sold. And he goes, why would they sell that? I go, I don't know. I says, I, I talked to the biologist and he told me it was because of this uh, program that uh, – Walker put through to pay for some other properties um, that are in a different county, you know. And he yeah. said, he said, well, hold on a second. He goes, that that is supposed to be just for landlocked properties. So I started looking into it, and it is. It says it's for landlocked properties. We got a bunch of landlocked properties in this county it, that they didn't sell, but they sold this one that's not landlocked. And uh, it's kind of irritating. And, yeah, uh, that's annoying. Yeah, um, and that's like the third property now that I hunt out here that got sold. Really? And I don't, I don't remember any getting bought in that same amount of time. You you know, and when you right. argue with them, they go, "Well, we leased this and we leased that." Yeah, you lease it for a year or two. That's not buying it. That's not property that we own as the public. Right. You know, they're, they're selling off our public land. 
And I think we as hunters got to do something about this because uh, they work for us, you know, and um, the warden made a good point that it's the legislators that uh, are doing this, not the DNR. They have to just follow orders. Right. Um, but uh, I got to look into it a little more. Um, I'll probably do a bit video on the subject and, and how people can get involved. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, sometimes I think about how, how fine of a line we as hunters really, uh, walk in society. Like there's not that many of us in the grand scheme of right. things. And like, it could all be gone. Like the right scenario happen. It could all be gone in next year. Like it's just right. crazy, crazy to think about that. Like the, everything that we kind of live for. I mean, most, most every other country doesn't have this, you know? Yeah. I was, and, uh, I was talking to the warden. I was saying, you know, I would really like to see a law that once something's public, it stays public forever that they can't, yeah. they can't sell it. And he goes, you know, I kind of agree with you, except he says these landlocked properties. He goes, there's a reason they're selling landlocked properties. You know, three landowners surrounding the property own it and you're paying the taxes on it. So you're paying for it and, and they, they get to do all the hunting on it. And I said, well, that's fine. If you have to sell a property for that reason, the money yeah. should go into buying property in the same county, same area. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't go to pay for some stewardship program that got somebody voted into office you know which wasn't walker it was somebody before him but it was costing the state millions of dollars so uh um walker was paying for that public land program with money from sales of landlocked properties but somebody decided that well this one's close enough to landlocked you, you got to walk 100 yards to get into it you know yeah yeah that's annoying I haven't heard anything like that happening too much in Indiana, but um, maybe it's just not happened, you know, in, in, to, to me yet, you know. So uh, yeah, I well, like, anytime if it's not if it's not law that it has to stay public, it could yeah. Anytime it could change. You get the right person oh, yeah. in the office, you know. Right. And the thing is, it's not the DNR or the people who decide what happens with that money. It's the governor, whoever's the governor. So whoever your governor is, well, I don't know about Indiana, how it's ran, but in Wisconsin, our governor could just decide he's using that money for, uh, to help some cause like that he believes in, you know? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with hunting. I need to talk to, I got a buddy, uh, Ben, he's going to come, he's going to be here next weekend, uh, hunting opening, uh, opener here in Indiana with me. He's the treasurer of our backcountry hunters and anglers here in Indiana. I'll talk to him about it to see if he's if they deal with that because those i think the bha whether you like them or not i think like the state uh run agencies do a lot of work with that kind of stuff with their the public land and all that so those guys may be someone i don't know if you can get a hold of the wisconsin group and see what uh what they say about it or if they are aware i know some states are better than others <laughs> yeah. the groups are but um i'll pick his brain about it see what he says sounds good uh, anyway I haven't, uh, I was going to wait around for some people to get on here, but, uh, if you guys have any questions, leave them in the comments and we'll, we'll get around to them at the end here. looks like maybe it's just going to be me and you, Dan. So, uh, we will have time for some questions and then you can call in at the end too. I'll put a link in the comment section whenever it gets a little closer to time, uh, to call in, just follow the link and make sure you subscribe and like, like the video, leave a comment in the, in the bottom. Let me know where you're from or, um, Anything else you want to comment about my beard? Some people have been commenting about my beard. 
I got a compliment on my beard today, so I want to keep it going. Huck wants me to grow up long, Dad. Grow it long. So, if you, if you shave off the mustache, you'd look kind of Amish. Amish, yeah. Yeah, I could. Uh, I was in, I had to, on the way home from Wisconsin, I had to, uh, I got a consulting job or whatever with my old, my old company and had to stop in Napanee, Indiana. And that is a mostly Amish community there. I saw a bunch of Amish guys riding bikes around and horses. Um, anyway, let's get into, uh, Rick's bear. Hmm. It's a, uh, I finished a video like right before I got on here and uh, that was a good video. Like I'm usually not really into bear videos, uh, but I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah. I got a lot of great comments on that video. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess, and this is a guy that's never bear hunted before. So can you kind of break down what went on and kind of what was a factor of Rick killing that bear? Well, we, um, we paid Jeff, uh, Jeff Johnson to, um, bait for us. Yeah. Um, we started out, I wanted him to bait my spots and he did. Um, and my spots got really pounded by hounds and, uh, they're still getting hit by bears, but kind of sporadically. And one, I have a real big bear hitting it because our season ain't done yet. I can still go up there, but, uh, one big bear is hitting the one bait, but he's coming in pretty nocturnal ever since the dogs got on it. They came through and chased him off of the bait. Um, so I was kind of waiting for him to come to daytime, but, uh, you know, it had to, this weird things were happening with the camera. So he didn't get pictures, um, one day. And then the next time he goes out there, his camera got eaten. And then the next time he forgot to turn it on, and then something else happened. So then I was like, I'll put my camera there. So we put a cell camera there. Bear came in and ate and it never took its picture. And then the cell camera would take pictures of me or whatever. And the bait was obviously hit by a bear. I mean, the whole log was moved over and all the bait was missing. So it's kind of aggravating. So we didn't know if he was coming in daylight, you know, if he settled down from the dogs or whatever. But I did give it one hunt and then he, he quit coming in like was was typical. Um, the biggest thing is when we got there, the Jeff had been doing the majority of the baiting. So when we got there and we'd go into a spot, as soon as we'd go in there, the bears would shy away for a couple of days because it's a, a new scent. Oh yeah. You know, um, so you'd hunted and then bears that were active would stop being active. It, it was kind of funny because we did like a, you know, get together the first day we were there and let yeah. anybody from the area come in. And then we ran into a bunch of hunters too and talked to a bunch of others. And everybody was talking about how their baits are getting pounded and there's bears in there every single evening and they're going to kill one. And I was telling, uh, Eric and, uh, and Rick, that now you watch after opening day, these same people will be telling us how, oh, you know, the acorns are dropping and they're eating the acorns and the berry crop and, you know, all this crap and really it is that, that now they're hunting the spots and the bears know it, mm -hmm. you know? Either, either they came in and they did something different or the bears circled and smelled them. I heard bears circle me twice. I never saw one. But I hunted a bait that was getting hit every day. I'd hunted it wouldn't get hit, you know. And then uh, the next day it would get hit again. But most of them, they wouldn't get hit for a couple of days after we'd hunt them. Uh, Rick's first encounter, um, he saw bears twice. I never even saw a bear. 
I heard them circle me and stuff, but I never saw one. So Rick had one, uh, a boar coming into this one. Bait. And I was kind of really letting him hunt the better spots. I really wanted to see him get one. But uh, we had a pretty nice boar coming into one spot. And uh, when he went in there to hunt it, we had uh, that bear had come in like a couple different times and he didn't eat all the bait. And what I saw is every time they would leave bait, they'd come back. You know, they'd be coming back. Yeah. So I felt real confident about that. However, uh, the bait wasn't up against any kind of opening or obstacle or anything. And the bear circling could get uh, downwind. And it did just that. It circled them. I kind of hoped it would circle within range. And I, um, I clipped out a little opening to where I thought the bear would circle from. Because I had a pretty good idea where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. He circled outside of that uh, opening and came around from behind him and got right downwind of him. And uh, he saw it. He didn't get it on film and it took off. And then, then that one didn't come back for days. And then uh, he kept wanting to hunt that bear. And uh, then Jeff uh, and me and him were talking. And uh, I said, Rick, you should just go try one of the other spots because you know, I don't think that bears, I think that bears got your number, you know? at least just let it settle down a little bit. And, uh, Jeff said, you know, uh, Rick, I got a really good spot. I want you to try. And at first Rick was like, I don't know about that. And then all of a sudden he was like, okay. Cause we kind of like, I'd, I'd hunt there, you know? And I even told him, I'll probably go over there if you don't, you know? So then he said, okay, then I will, you know? And, uh, uh, he went over there to hunt and I went out to the back spot and it was literally his last hunt. Yeah. Uh, cause he was obsessed with getting back over here to hunt deer. Sure. Know, deer yeah. hunter opens the next day. So this is Friday night, Saturday's deer season. So I went down to my spot and I was really confident about my spot. Cause I had a lot of bears hitting it up until that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, I hunted it the night before and they didn't come in. And I felt like they were going to come in that night. And I went down there and, uh, my bear never showed up again. And uh, right before closing, I got a text from Rick that he, uh, that he, it said, I just shot an arrow at a bear. And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? That's a, what does that mean? <laughs> just stick an arrow on a gunner. Did you, <laughs> did you launch one at him? So I said, did you shoot it or didn't you shoot it? You know, what does that mean? And he said, I think I shot it. Cause, cause I saw the arrow come out of it. I'm yeah. Like, well, that would mean you shot it. Yes. So he was pretty excited. So he wasn't even talking. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I told him, meet me at the truck and, uh, sent, uh, Jeff a message that we had shot one and he said he was, he was on his way. And, uh, I went and talked to him. I asked him about the hit. He, he didn't know where he hit it. He's wearing a loom. He's using a loom knock. He didn't know where he hit it. He didn't know where it ran to. He said he didn't see it run. Um, I think he was just excited because you pay attention to noises and stuff. And you, you have a direction to travel. Right. He kind of had a like that way somewhere, you know, kind of thing. And right. Like even when we were tracking it, we found blood that went off to the right. And we we're like, okay, you know, this is pretty close. Did it turn to the right? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> so, so that was a little tough. But when we got down there, um, I was, I was glad to see that the arrow was completely soaked with blood. You don't see yeah. that too often on a bear. 
Did he hit an artery or something? Is that what happened? I think he hit a vein. Or vein the main yeah. vein coming back from the um, hind legs. Because the blood was dark. It wasn't bright red like it was coming out of the heart, like an artery. Yeah. But it was main where it was like coming back and it was dark. He was actually, I don't know what happened with him, but he ended up hitting that bear way back. He was even behind the liver. He kind of touched the hind quarters a little bit. And uh, he actually was high too. He uh, and that's probably what what saved him is uh, he was real high and he uh, went right underneath the spine, and and uh, he actually blew right through one of the tenderloins. So I think he clipped an artery right along the spine or a vein right along the spine. Um, there was a very good blood trail, which you don't yeah. usually see with a bear. You yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. the fur mats up. And bears that are hit good don't go very far, and this was no exception. I mean, it was only 75 yards from the bait. Yeah. And uh, the most priceless thing is the look on his face when he found that bear. It was yeah downright hilarious. Yeah. So, I don't know if you saw that in the video. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When I was, was editing, a... I, I just about fell out of the chair, and I had to watch that like three, four times. <laughs> that was the first time I saw it. But, uh, Watching yeah, he that was... Video... He was just about crying when he shot that thing. He was so happy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Watching that video made me real excited for some like deer camps this year, you know, like just some mm -hmm. guys and hanging out, all that kind of stuff. Um, like, like, I mean, I was, a, you know, I was at a deer camp or, you know, a buddy's house this weekend, but I meant like a, a mm -hmm. legitimate uh, camp. Um, uh, you know, that's going to be fun. So that's what I tried to capture at the bear camp. What it really is, it's, it's a, you know, a group of guys out, yeah. you know, hunting and having fun and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and there's something special about it. And nobody ever shows that. They just show the kills, you know. Right. Yeah. So you uh, show the serious we, side about it. You show, you know, how you're looking at the baits, how you're doing this and how you're doing that. But you also show the camaraderie, the joking around and stuff. And that. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good video. And like I said, I, I, don't, I don't usually get into the bear videos, but that was a, hey, you had me hooked. So hopefully we're going to get another video out of it, not just for bears, but, uh, uh, Eric was, um, filming his scouting. He went scouting for deer while he was up there and, and uh, oh, nice. he got into some cool stuff. I don't want to ruin it, but, uh, he got into some cool stuff. So hopefully, um, uh, um, uh, we get a video out of him for that. Yeah, for sure. Tim put a video up today. I saw. Mm. Is it I up now? Had... Yes. It went up two hours ago. I'll have to spread uh, it around. Just a look like a ten minute video. I know he went hunting this weekend, so I'm sure it's um, about that. So um, anyway, I'm it's uh, I'm excited to go bear hunting now. You got me, you guys got me excited. Yeah. So I want to see you get uh, one. I'd like to see yeah. Matt get one. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, you want to go. I think I think she would. I think she's nervous about it. Uh, she gets nervous. Uh, shooting like a deer, like she when they're close and stuff. So, um, I don't know how she'd do with the bear, but uh, she she she's interested, I think, for sure. Eric, uh, I mean, um, Rick gets uh, extremely nervous when he still yeah. ended up somehow getting it done. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I don't know, her nervous is different. I don't know if it's uh, it's not like the excitement nervous, I think it's more of the um just the animals close and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's just different. Um, but women are, women are like, I shouldn't say all women, but a lot of, she just is 
their 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 minds think differently. You know, she she's really um, she's a very particular person anyway. So everything is you know, mm-hmm. um, it's hard for her to make a quick decision on something that's that detrimental for her. You know, you know, um, I've noticed I've, I've noticed that women that are um, good hunters or knowledgeable hunters, yeah, usually are better than than men because yeah. they're more patient and they're not trying to prove anything. Yeah. Like most guys and, and me included, you know, when I was starting oh, yeah. out, you know, we're, you know, are worried about not getting a deer or, you know, not having one or, you know, not getting an opportunity and how you're going to face your friends and stuff where a lot of times um, women don't have that uh, egotistical way about them. I mean, they just, right. you know, they don't get one. They don't get one. They're out having fun and, you know, yeah. But they, they can still be serious and good at it. And uh, if, if you got that feeling, a lot of, a lot of times uh, the women I know who've been very good hunters um, don't even get nervous when a big buck walks in because they don't right. they don't have that worry, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's probably a lot of truth to that. Um. Anyway, you uh, are you hunting this uh the rest of this this week? Uh, you guys got a cool down, didn't you? You guys cooled mm-hmm. off quite a bit. Yeah. Say so it was hot whenever I was up there, and it looked like the next day it was gonna cool down a bit. How many days are left in our season over here? Like I don't know, months. Yeah, I think there's like ninety days. So I'll probably hunt about ninety days. So, right. So yeah, I know. I might miss a day or two around our trips. You know, oh, I didn't... get screwed up when we come back or we go or something. I miss a day. And yeah, usually... sure. I didn't know, Dan. You missed the opening day. I thought maybe you're giving up on deer this year or something. another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of slash talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Tyler, uh, I saw Tyler. He was on Deer too. Tyler Witt up there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's people on him for sure. Oh, yeah. I got to send an invite to someone real quick. We may have a special guest getting on here. Anyway, there we go. Got it done. You want to answer some questions? Sure. Let's see here. If this particular person gets on, uh, we'll have a whole lot more to talk about, but or at least uh, he he will. Let's see here. I saw there's a bunch of questions, and if you guys are hopped on uh, since the beginning here, just leave your leave your quick questions in the comments section, and um, we'll get to them. Uh, I can't find the one, but I remember it in my head here. Someone asked, or uh, in a roundabout way, how far will deer travel for water? I think the state he's in is kind of in a drought, and he was wondering 
Um, he said, I think he worded it like how, how close will they bed to water if it's in a, like a drought year or how far will they travel to get to water? Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, and I really don't know the answer to it, but what I can say is that, uh, I've shot, I've shot big bucks by targeting them near water sources in areas that don't have a lot of water when it's hot out. So I think in a lot of cases they do bed close, um, but not always. You know, a deer can get his uh, um, water out of the vegetation that he eats. Um, but I think they'd rather have, you know, a drink or something too, you know. Yeah. So when it's hot, I think uh, being near water is probably a very good idea. How far they'll travel? Probably how far do they need to travel? That's what you got to look at. I mean, is, is the water source out in the open? They ain't going to it in daylight and broad daylight walking through an open field to get to it if there's any kind of pressure. Right. You know, so pressure is going to play into it. How open it's going to be is going to play into it. How close is secure bedding? And secure bedding for a two-year-old is different than secure bedding for a five or six-year-old. So it's really a difficult question to answer and, and Every scenario is probably going to have a different answer. Yeah. I think, what do you think? I think deer need, uh, or, or they don't need water nearly as bad as what a guy would think. Um, I think it's kind of a, I don't know, uh, less of a priority on their minds and they, they get a lot of their moisture from whatever they're eating. Correct. Um, but when it's like hot, you know, and, and a lot of times it's not hot anywhere opening weeks, you know, even in September, a lot of times it's, you know, if it's in the seventies or whatever, it's probably not that hot, but like down in Kentucky, I know when it can be a hundred degrees, then they probably need water a little more than what they typically do. But, um, yeah, I've never killed a deer that was like coming to water per se. Uh, but anyway, it's a good question though. It's definitely, I think a lot of people do though. I mean, I know I, I, uh, I was talking to Andy May last year about Kentucky and that's how he killed his, he killed a nice deer in Kentucky a couple of years ago. And that's what he did. He, it was super hot there that first week of September and he found a, like a remote water hole up in those Hills and, and there was a nice buck coming to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's how he, he killed that one. So, uh, anyway, all right, here's another one from Zeke outdoors. I saw you guys, I think you guys killed a, a doe. I saw on Facebook, you guys posted on the Facebook form. So anyways, if it stops raining at noon, should I put, uh, should I be out there at noon or just hunt in the evening? Well, again, that's a little relative. I mean, some areas deer move better in, in uh, midday. I do think that I would want to be out there earlier than normal. If we were in my backyard here, I would probably uh, be out there that evening. Yeah. But I mean, that evening is like getting out there at like two usually or three. Maybe I'd get out there a little earlier if the rain had just stopped. Um, I shot one of my biggest bucks at um, right at noon or midday on opening day. Um, sitting in the rain until the rain stopped. And then he came in and worked a scrape that was right like adjacent to his bedding area. And that was one of my very biggest bucks. Um, it was right in the middle of the day. I think it was actually one o'clock when I shot it, but it was pretty early. So it's not a bad idea. It's just a matter if you of have time. Uh, yeah. If you got time, it's not a bad idea. You probably won't see him till evening, yeah. but he's likely to move earlier on a rain day. 
right after right, the storm. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. It, especially if it's like a real, like a downpour where they're going to get soaking wet, they may get up for a minute and try to shake off and, and it may browse around or something. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it, if it stops raining at noon or one or whatever the case may be, I still don't think they're going to wander very far. I mean, it's probably still a normal day to them, you know, um, they're used to being in that crap. Whereas we as humans don't like rain and all that, they probably just another day in the life of a deer, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I've also killed a nice deer, uh, right after a rain, but it was like it rained from three to four and then they quit raining right at good time, you know? Um, Zeke had another good, good question. How do we use farming uh, to our advantage, like combining and field work when that's going on? Hmm. You mean as far as the pressure it puts on the deer? Or? Yeah. Um, pressure it puts on the deer, maybe how it changes things for deer, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, one thing I can say is uh, I've noticed a trend that, uh, you know, in places where the, um, corn equipment isn't too efficient and it drops a lot of corn yeah. right after they cut a cornfield the, the cornfield gets on fire the next couple of days yeah um, but as far as when they're doing the work i've never seen that have much of an effect yeah i've i've seen it i've seen really good deer movement like after the farmers leave the fields and stuff and they're gone like the next morning or the next evening or whatever, whatever, just depending on when they're done. Um, it seems like deer are kind of, they're all kind of scattered and everything's new to them again. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. And I have seen some pretty nice deer, uh, like right after everything's finished and they're, you know, they're going to be unbothered. They're just kind of looking around for what's next. Um, it may, it may just been dumb luck or, you know, the deer was going to be moving anyway, but it was right after a, uh, combine was finished and pulled off the, uh, you know, pulled off the field. He probably bumped the deer out of the field, you know, and then, um, then he was, he was walking around pretty early, but, um, anyway, they're, they're also like, if you can get in a pinch or something somewhere between the, like a cornfield and, and, you know, your, your closest bedding area, that can be dynamite while a farmer's, you know, harvesting, if, if there's bedding in the corn, like if there's fence rows or, or whatever, some grass in the waterways or anything that the farmer's going to disturb while he's picking. Um, and if you can get into that next closest bedding area, that can be a real good, good spot. Um, I don't know if you want to just go kill a doe. Sometimes that can be, you know, while the farmer's picking the does will be out and about and whatnot. I've never, I've never shot um, big bucks based on pressure. Yeah. I never have. It's always been natural movement. It's like every time you sit up on pressure, like I'd try hunting them uh, when they start pheasant hunting, you know, and you yeah. know the pheasant hunters are going to get into the buck brush. And I'd try hunting them when, you know, um, I know gun hunters are going on opening day and how, how the deer would funnel through there. And mm-hmm. I'll have deer run by me. I've never had a mature buck do it. I don't think they move far or hard. You know what I mean? They don't just get up and run like crazy. Everything seems to be a precision move with a big buck. It's right. hard to capitalize on on pressure. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm saying it's it's a it's a pretty difficult thing to master. Yeah. Or a mature buck has uh the last whatever three years he's ran through that funnel and 
gotten shot at or had close calls and he's learned and he goes somewhere else where, you know, you know, nobody else does or all the other deer don't go to the ear or whatever the case may be. And, um, anyway, someone asked if you're going to record more hunts this year, Dan, you'll have all, yep. They'll be on here all, all, uh, all year on the hunting. I mean, uh, I'll put up as many shows as I can. Yep. Yeah, it looks like Tim will probably be putting stuff up too, and myself, and whatever Rick comes up with, and Mario if he gets gets a chance. There'll be all kinds of stuff this year. Uh, maybe forgetting someone, even Eric. Um, here's a good question about bear. Colin asks, "How come you don't go after bear betting like you do buck betting? You just uh, put all your cards into the baits." Well, um, you could, but. Um bears move around to the food so you'd have to find a, a food source you're eating on and it can be done i've had friends that do it um so um one guy i know that did real well with it would uh hunt cornfields that were getting damaged and he would uh because the bears aren't like a deer i mean they bed right on top of food usually um they bed close to it and guard it and watch over it um it's hard to determine exactly where they are. They don't leave a lot of sign. And you can find a sign, but it ain't easy. Um, and I just prefer the chess game with them, with the with the baits. I mean, you'd go a long time hunting them, just um, trying to hunt them like a deer. With with yeah. no, um, without putting food out. Uh, you know, there's places that where people do it. I mean, I know Mike Foss. Uh, as a friend who uh, was struggling bear hunting this year, and uh, he told her to uh, hunt over uh, his food plot because he keeps getting trail camera pictures of bears eating his clover. And she sat there and shot a nice bear, her first bear, over a food plot. So it can be done, but it's not an easy task. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Seen if the uh, the guy that was going to get on, if he he must be struggling to get on. Hmm. One second. If I lived in bear territory, I'd probably uh, hunt a little more like that. But I don't. I'm uh, three hours from bear territory. Yeah, you seem to really enjoy the chess match of getting them to come into the baits. The way you you know, I do. It's not it's not like people think with the it's not like baiting right. deer or anything. They really they know that that's a trap, and it's really uh it's uh, playing a game with them. I mean, sometimes you might even sit way off of the bait because you know, they're going to circle and try to get them on the circle. Right. Like that. Well, it sounds like even that bear Rick killed knew, kind of knew he was there, right? He was chomp. He was. Yeah. And that's the thing with bears. Again. I mean, you know, some of them will know you're there and come in anyways. They'll even look at you when you're in the tree and some of them will come in a little aggressive like his did. His was like uh, trying to intimidate him or make a move or something. I mean, kind of stomped and, snapped his teeth at him and stuff left to come back and do that i was really shocked that that bear saw him in the tree um yeah because he was up there ways but he does you know have a backpack too he takes up the tree with him i would never do that i don't i i like try to minimize myself not to say there's anything wrong with that but i just try to have as little bit of stuff as i can and blend in with the tree as much as i can but uh, i i was shocked uh you know they say bears don't see well Man, I've I've had him look at me a few times, and uh, you know, 
where he was, he was camouflaged enough that I was just shocked that that bear noticed him. But that is the spot where Jeff um, had somebody else hunt the first couple of days of the season. And he's shot bears out of that same tree. And it's always that tree that they hunt out of. So, but that, that bear pinned him to that tree. Hmm. That's something people don't think about too when you're deer hunting, like having a pack and all kinds of stuff hanging off the tree. You got to make sure that's all. If but you're deer take all that even stuff. more important because you ain't got no leaf cover half the season. Yeah. Yep. Bears uh, at least make... thick and green. Right. Yep. Um, I only have a, I carry a little fanny pack with me with my camera stuff in it with my, just so it doesn't get all wet and everything, you know, if it rains. And uh, yeah, I, I always like strap the fanny pack around the tree and kind of put it behind me somewhere out of the way to where it's not sticking out like a, like a sore thumb. Um, Gary last year had a doe see his, he left his pack laying, like laying in the leaves underneath the tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doe, a doe came in saw that pack and just looked at it and started blowing at it. Um, never, I don't think it ever, he said he never really looked up at him. He just, they saw that weird thing laying on the ground, you know, probably smelled it too, you know, who knows. And, um, so yeah, that's little, little things like that to, to be, uh, conscious about. Yeah. I've had them, I've had them see my sticks and follow the sticks up until they see you in the tree. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm oftentimes like, uh, something I think about when I'm putting my stand up is which side of the tree to, to put my sticks. Like if I can avoid those, those first couple being in line with whatever the deer, especially if they're silhouetted, you know um sideways i try to avoid that scenario at all costs and you can i mean just climb up the the uh, opposite side of the tree where you think the deer are going to come on you know you don't know for sure but you should have a good idea mm-hmm. um here's a, a question for me where the name before the echo come from so that's a good question i don't think anybody's ever asked me that not on here at least the uh i was reading a book and i ought to figure out what book it was um can't remember now it's probably up there but i'd have to i'd have to look through it but anyways one of the chapters in the book it's a hunting book it was called a um or it's like a mountain man book maybe but it's called the chapter was called before the echo and the whole uh chapter was about everything that goes through the hunter's mind before he shoots a deer um and that's i was like man that's cool you know that's a cool name that'd be a cool name for a youtube channel <laughs> and that's what that's what i started with was before the echo because i read a book many years ago about that um it was a the chapter was much deeper than what me and dan get into it was more about the emotions that go through and what this is going to do for your family because it was based back in the day when people had to shoot something for um food for their family but anyway that's what that's where before the echo came from probably a little deeper than what uh sometimes i I don't know people always uh, get before the echo but that's what it is before everything that happens before the shot and what goes through your mind okay here's another question if two shooter bucks were coming out of the same bedding area how soon would you hunt the spot after you shot one of the bucks that's a good question i guess that would matter on um on a couple of things i mean if the if you invaded the buck bedding or if the deer ran off and you went and recovered it someplace else, 
uh, away from the bed and area, or if you sat there all night with lights, uh, field dressing right in front of the bed and area, or depends yeah. on a lot of things. I mean, how much impact did you have on it? Now, with that said, I normally um, am tagged out if I shoot a buck, but right. I can remember um, uh, in the CWD times when we had multiple tags, I shot the Rome Legend buck. And uh, I knew he was bedding in the main bedding area because of a rub line opening up with the big rubs. And then I moved in to, to hunt him. And uh, when I shot him, within a few days, I noticed that the rubs, there were new ones. And I thought, there's another buck in there. And I went back in there and uh, hunted it. And I had a real nice 10 pointer come out of that same exact bed he was in, but it wouldn't come over by me probably because the buck, the Rome legend dropped in its tracks and there was blood all over the place where, where he dropped. And we had come in there and got a lot of scent in there, pulling him out with a sled. Um, but that buck actually bedded in the exact same bed that he was in just a couple days later. So it, it happens. I think, uh, I, I would think odds are against it. But if you had two bucks that bed in that area, I would probably try right away. Yeah. You know, like next day. Mm -hmm. And if that, if that had nothing happened, then I'd wait at least 30 days. Probably. The deer, the deer I shot in Indiana, uh, last year, um, I left my, I left, uh, I can't remember a knife or something laying there where I got to the deer and then I ended up taking my video camera with me in there to get that knife and I was going to show the bedding area and all that, uh, just to finish the video and, and show everybody, um, my setup and all that. And, and whenever I, I wasn't being quiet at all. And whenever I got to my tree, um, another buck jumped out of the bedding area and, and ran away. So there was, you know, another buck in there right, right away. Mm -hmm. But my buck, I shot him and he ran the opposite way of the bedding area. He ran up into the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, into the oaks and died instead of going back into bedding. And I wasn't in there fooling around, you know, you know, um, part of the thing with putting like the Exodus cameras in the bedding areas, like on the exits and stuff and watching them. One of the things you learn is that, uh, <clears throat> a buck might bed there a day, two days, then he's gone for a while and he comes back. So there's a good chance that, uh, a deer comes in there that hasn't gotten over to where you left scent. You know, but the longer that scent sits there, I think the more likely he is to spook on it. Yeah. So, like, if you feel dressed the deer there, you got a lot of scent there, or, or even if you hunted it, the next day is probably better than three days from then. Like, if you wanted to hunt, or, hunt it again, I think hunting it the next day is better than waiting three days. You know what I mean? And, and once yeah. you wait a little while, you should wait a long while and just let it dissipate. Because then they kind of yeah. got your number. They'll figure everything out once they smell where you're at. But um, if you if I was gonna hunt, you know, like a bedding area twice, I'd probably do it two days in a row. Someone asking farm country, how much will bucks tolerate doe families bedding close by? <laughs> that. I don't know. I don't think they bed in the same areas. No, by me they do. Uh, so well, he's talking, talking about farm country. Well. I see them bedding in the same areas. I mean, uh, I was hunting a buck bedding area today, and there was a, a doe came out and was underneath me feeding when I was sitting the stand up. 
Yeah. Um, I see them actually right. pretty close. Um, Bucks bet a little different than does, but it's kind of usually the same areas. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's talking about close. Like, how how close are we talking though in the betting? Like, I feel like the Bucks are always in different areas than the does. And when I'm talking about areas mm-hmm. like, like, uh, you know, they may be fifty or sixty yards away. Well, yeah, that that's the same area to me. Oh, Gee, yeah, they're, they're fairly close. But they're not they're not bedding together. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's no, not asking this. Not I, in my mind, in my mind, I had in October. They're not. No, but they they can yeah. be pretty close. Yeah, I guess in my ha- mind, yeah. I had him like betting with the does. Like, and as, as far as bucks tolerating does, I don't think they care about the does. They they're either yeah. interested in the does, or they um, have no interest in the does. Yeah, but uh, the does are the opposite. And the question would be better asked is is um, how much will does tolerate the bucks? Yeah, because uh, I think that's a little more of a annoyance to him. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I guess I, I read the question different than than uh, he probably was asking. I was I was thinking he was talking about them actually betting together, like in a circle or something with the does. Oh, okay. Um, I've seen like small bucks, like year year and a half old bucks, betting pretty much with does. Um. But anyways, all right, we're gonna bring another guest in here. Look who it is. Hey, look who it is. What's up, Lou? <laughs> John, John, you're a great multitasker. Am I? I don't know if anybody could uh, see that I had been having a conversation with Lou the last ten minutes, probably trying to get him on here. I thought I was <laughs> backstage twenty minutes ago and I'm like we were talking about bear earlier, and then all of a sudden you got into all the deer stuff, and I'm like, oh, what a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, well, you just had some good bear action yourself, didn't you? Yeah, we had a good time. What happened to you? I hadn't heard this story. Uh, didn't I tell the story on the beast? You, you're yeah, not he hasn't been on the beast. He's been off hunting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just got back. So, I don't know. Dan and I have been talking on the side a little bit. Right, Dan? We talk occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, good friend of mine. He, I met him when he was four years old. And he just shot his first bear. Congrats. Now? He's 34. Oh, okay. So if you put 30 years on me, we're not going to do the math, but I'm about Dan's age. Yeah. He's actually a little older than me. But we had a good time, and Dan and I kind of talked about it a bit. Um, we we really focused on a quality bait. We got a lot of bear up in the Red Oak part of um, northern lower Michigan. Are you guys just turning it over to me? Let me just ramble. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. We're listening. And uh, so J- my friend James has been putting in for like eight, nine years. I think he actually had nine years of points. And I kept telling him, hey, yeah, we'll go up there. We'll go up there. And I shot a bear up in the Deadstream Swamp. Some friends invited me up there in 2007. A long time ago. Do some math on that, Dan. How many years ago was that, Dan? It's a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Then Then I went bear hunting again in 2014. And in 2015, Dan and I start putting in points together here in Michigan. So I think we're getting real close to do a bear hunt in the UP, right, Dan? 
Yeah, I could probably do one uh, this coming year. Next yeah, year. we've been talking about that. So all of a sudden, James, my, my young friend James, gets a tag this year, and I felt obligated to help him. And honestly, I don't know crap about bear hunting. I had people help me out the last two times, but it's a lot of fun to go bear hunting. Bear camp is special, is it not, Dan? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I heard, tell me a little bit about your baiting. What did you use and how much did you use? And now you got to help with the, an established site, right? You uh, had somebody well, give you a tip? We did. We did. And I want to give a big shout out to Jason Samkoyak of the, um, I hope I get this right, the Traditional and Wilderness Podcast. You've had him on your podcast here, right? Yep. Traditional Bowhunter Wilderness Podcast. Yep. Thank it's you, Josh. So, after James got his tag and I hunted up there, like, what, what is that? That's like, I can't even do the math in my head, you know, 2007. Okay. Y'all can do the math at home. Um, I said, yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you. So he gets his tag and I kind of panicked because it's now it's on me where every time I bear hunted, I was getting help from other people. So I reached out to Jason and I said, Hey, um, I thought he moved to Georgia. He hasn't moved yet, but he's on his way because I think you were talking to him when he was on his way down there. And he sent me four pins, pins, like GPS coordinates, you know. And so we went into two of those pins, found one of the old cribs, and we started baiting. And we had just fantastic pictures of bears coming in nonstop. And when we went up to Pinconning to the bear bait station, can you guys hear me all right? Yep. Oh, yeah. You're good. Okay, good. Because um, I'm on the phone. I don't know how well this works. Yeah, um, good. The, it's a it's a husband-wife team. I can't remember their names. They're in Pinconning. If people are in Michigan, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. And I'll, I'll try and think of it in a little bit. But the, the, the wife, she really started talking about quality bait, not just sweets. And I used to think hunting bear was just throwing donuts on the ground. And spraying some bacon grease or deep fry oil in the air and, and then track it around and bring it into the bait. And I didn't know crap about it, you know, but I, I was two for two on bear hunting because I had help. So now when James got his tag, I felt like a little pressure on me. So I really started listening. And Dan really said a lot of stuff about quality baits in the past and scents and, and stuff like that. But the, the, the woman of the team and even the man the husband started talking about quality baits and I started paying attention and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to pay attention now. So we really tried to put out a quality bait. So Dan, to answer your question, we put the, the, the frosting and the, and the caramel. We used a lot of peanut butter because I was so afraid of competing with the um, acorn drop. You hear people talk about that. You mentioned that earlier, right, Dan? Mm-hmm. And you even said I you had bad luck with with peanut butter, but we really laid the peanut butter to this because what we were doing we were running out. And when I say we, it was really on James. He was doing it more than me. He was getting up there two times a week. He's got a young family. He's got a full time job. He he works in Ann Arbor, and it was just awesome how he got up there twice a week. But some of the times that we were getting up there, they were not ideal. You know, we got up there and baited a couple times at five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that's not good. No, no, it wasn't good. And one time we bumped a bear off the bait going in and we were scared, but we finally started getting some daylight hits. But 
we just wanted to compete and have a quality bait. We had yogurt pellets. We had, uh, you know, filler, Rice Krispie, granola, a um, lot of peanut butter, frosting, you know, for the sweets and caramel and all that. But uh, we just tried to put out a quality bait. And he had tons of bear. I sent you a lot of pics, Dan, and you really had a lot of good input on this. Thank you. Sure. So now um, you told me something about the peanut butter. Uh, you said you put it really high up. So just, uh, you know, the target bears would be able to get at it. There'd always be some for them. And I thought that was interesting. Um, now, me, I had given up on peanut butter, but I'd only tried it once. I tried it in uh, Minnesota. And I, got a, I got a ton of peanut butter one time um, from somebody for bait. And uh, it was some generic brand. It was all the same. And I put it all over the trees, the stumps and everything. And it never, ever, ever got eaten. They didn't touch it at all. They ate all the bait. They never touched the peanut butter, period. So I just figured peanut butter wasn't all that great, but it makes sense that it should be because it's not protein and they like peanuts. You put peanuts and stuff, they gobble them up. So now I, I uh, you telling me that it works so well for you and that it was a, a very good attractant gives me hope to try that again. I think it was key to what we did because Jason told me like, man, you're competing with the Oak drop and you mentioned that earlier. And so we went in there and we didn't get peanut butter on the first trip. And it was a week before bear hit our bait, which isn't unreasonable, right? We start a month before in Wisconsin. You start, when do you start baiting? We can, we can start in mid April. Yeah. Yeah. We bait one month before the season. So we went in there and we threw the traditional stuff down. And I, st I was talking to you. I, I, I texted with Jason. We weren't talking. He just gave me the pins, which was great. Thank you, Jason. And you and I were talking a lot. And I was talking with Matt Gaydu of um, G2 uh, Outfitters. He, he's here in Holly, Michigan. And he's run a camp up in the UP for years. And he liked peanut butter. And so we went and... And so the second time out, James came by and I just grabbed him peanut butter out of my cabinet. And I said, smear this on the trees because I was afraid of competing with the oak trees. And so he did. Actually, it wasn't even peanut butter. It was uh, almond butter. And Jeez, high dollar stuff. High dollar stuff. But it had been sitting in my cabinet. It had been sitting here for years, you know, back when my daughter was young. And there was some left, and I said, smear this on the trees and smear it as high as you can get it. Because when the bait runs out, I want them coming back in. You know, if the small bear come in and the raccoons come in, I want it to have something on the trees, right? And, and we did the same thing with the frosting for the sweets. But the lady at the bear bait station, and pardon me for not remembering her name or their place, but it's in Pinconning, Michigan. I think anybody could find it um, if they search it. And she started talking about quality bait, and it made a lot of sense with what Dan and I had been talking about. So we had yogurt pellets, protein, fat. We had coconut in there. We had the filler. I said earlier the, the granola and the Rice Krispies, sweets. But we wanted some quality baits in there. We wanted fat. We wanted protein. And, it, man, we had – the pictures he was getting, he didn't share all the pictures with me. And I sent a lot to Dan when we'd get a big bear come in or a daytime bear. But we just really wanted to have a quality bait. And it was the first time I really focused on that. Hmm. He got a bear. Was he excited? 
was, yeah, I'd, I'd say. And it was funny because the night he shot the bear, and if uh, he isn't watching this, but it was kind of funny because he shot a bear and he called me and he said, dang, I think I shot a little bear. <laughs> I said, they're really going to shrink when they hit the ground, right? <laughs> Dan, you've noticed that, right? Wow. You'll see this big old bear come in and you think it's 300 pounds and you shoot it and it hits the ground and it looks like a puppy. And you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I shot a cub. <laughs> well, he, he shoots it and I didn't even send a picture to Jason for like three, four, five days. Because when James first shot the bear, he thought it was little. And then all of a sudden he goes, well, it might not be that little when he drug it out. I went up there with him Sunday for the opener, September 11th. And uh, a lot of things go on in our country on September 11th. But I, I, I drove up with him. It rained. He didn't have good activity. And then I had to leave Monday morning. I came home and he went out again Monday. And I talked to Dan. Dan called me and he said, hey, how'd you guys do? And I said, well, it was raining. He had a little bit of, he had one bear on the bait, but the rain, he goes, if, if you get a good front blow through and, you know, if it's clear, those bears should come back in. And it was kind of funny because I texted one of James's friends because I wanted to run back up and help him get the bear out. And, uh, and I said, James is going to shoot a bear. This is what I texted to his friend between 630 Six and six thirty tonight. He shot his bear at six forty-five. And Dan actually said, if the if the bear if the rain stops, the bear should come in this evening. And he shot a bear again that he thought was small. But when he went to drag it out, he, he when he called me, he thought it was one hundred twenty-five pounds. When he drug it out, he thought it was two hundred twenty-five pounds. And uh, it turned out to be average Michigan bear. It was about one hundred fifty, one hundred sixty pounds. It was a good bear, but um, it was a lot of fun to be involved in a bear hunt again. I wish I could have been up there the night that they drug it out. Yeah, just being in camp is fun. She's just been up there the whole time. I know it. I know it. I kind of got something going on where I can't just be up there for a week. You got to bring your uh, wife, your neighbors, your friends to all work for you for free. Yeah, I, I'm hearing. I'm hearing you. <laughs> how's the uh, how's things going at Stealth Strips? Uh, we, 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 we're selling some stealth strips. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. That's good. Uh, everybody How's Josh doing with his YouTube channel? Good. Still doing it, so. Good. <laughs> good. Been busy with my, so the company I used to work for hires me for, like, consulting stuff, and it's pretty pretty busy, too. So it's good. Not well, too good. busy, I though, which is good. I, I saw that you were in uh, Wisconsin last weekend. Yeah, I hunted four days uh, up in 
whatever you want to say, North Central Wisconsin with some friends up there. They come hunt down here with me, and I go up there with them. Hey, congrats yeah. on your Nebraska buck. I know I texted that to you, but that was awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I just got it back from my uh, my uncle has those beetles that uh, eat the flesh off the deer uh, to make European mounts. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I just got a, got it back from him last night. He had it in his be- his bugs, getting them European mounted. So he's back at home. Not that I want to get into deer hunting again. I'll let you guys get into that. But what part of Nebraska were you in? Like mm, eastern. Okay. Central eastern Nebraska. I I, um, I shot one of my biggest deer in Nebraska in 2008. Oh, really? Where were you it at? It was a doe. I was in southwest Nebraska. <laughs> it was. You're laughing. It's true. It was a 250-pound doe. Mule Holy deer. Holy cow. Oh, a mule deer. I shot it. It was so funny. I was with my um my late cousin Womp, the mountain man, and uh it was 220 yards with a muzzle loader. And when I hit that thing, the ranch guy heard a shoot and he came out and he goes, he drove out because we were hunting private land. He was on a ranch and uh we shot this doe. I hit her and she fell down. I hit her in the back, or uh, uh, not the back straps, the tenderloins, really, and just paralyzed her and walked up to her. She was fully alive. I shouldn't even say that live, but I did. All good. And it happens. Yeah, it happens. And so I walked up and finished her off. And uh, I was up there taking care of business. And uh, the ranch owner came out and he asked Womp. He goes, what? The, I just saw them pointing and talking and pointing and talking. And I'm up there, you know, gutting and jerking, not right. hide, but you know, doing, doing my business. And I go, how far was it? Cause they had a range finder out. He was, he was pointing, he was down at that rock and then shot it up here. And I said, how far? And he goes, Womp goes, shut up. I'm talking to Larry. And, and so at the end of that, I said, well, how far? He said, 220 yards. It was lucky. It was lucky shot. I don't know, Lou, you, you, uh, you're pretty good with your rifle or your guns. I have a feeling. I've um, had a lot of lucky shots. And I, I don't mean I don't mean to laugh at you about your uh, your your big deer you, you shot, but I it was just like a typical Lou uh, response because you told me it was my biggest deer, and I kind of in my mind I'm like, oh, he killed a nice buck, and then Lou's like, it was a doe. Yeah, two hundred fifty pound doe. <laughs> That's a giant giant. It, doe. It, that was that was dressed. That's after we hung it up after I we took yeah, care of it. Yeah, yeah. Dang. The two biggest deer I've ever shot in my life, I shot a 250-pound doe in Michigan and a 250-pound mule deer out in Nebraska, and they were both does. But, hey, if it's bigger than a rabbit, I'm shooting. Yeah, for sure. We got a call in here. Let's let's get uh, Russ up here. Well, I think we got a call in. Can you hear us, Russ? Give you uh, hey. Yeah. hey, can you hear me? Yep, I actually did. didn't call. I just I just jumped onto Streamyard to watch you guys and didn't really have a question about bear hunting, so I'm I apologize. Oh, that's uh, all right, dude. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I'm 59 today and getting ready to deer hunt for like my 40th year and been learning birthday. a lot from you guys. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I don't have my camera on because I'm sitting outside and I'm backlit. It would look terrible. Yeah, but, no worries. Um, yeah, so. I found you guys here recently, and uh, Dan, I plan on buying some bee sticks. I'm going to go to the saddle 
uh, thing. And after looking at all the sticks and talking to some friends, uh, sounds like yours are the way to go. So I'm excited about that cool. uh, this year. You're welcome. I've been, yeah, I've been using the uh, climbing stand for quite a while, but I've had the uh, I've had the journey. I guess I'll just bore you guys to tears. I uh, I taught hunter safety for ten years, and uh, during that time frame, I hunted with a longbow. I shot seven deer. Uh, my my favorite deer during that time frame was actually a like a two and a half year old non typical that I rattled in and shot him with a stick bow. And he's not the biggest I've killed, but it was just exciting to do that, you know. Um, but I'm learning so much from you guys, Josh. I loved your hunt out in uh, Nebraska, right? Yep. Out in the out in the plains and oh, watching thanks. the night yeah. before, you were asking Dan, you know, what should I do? And I'm going, well, you better listen to Dan. I think he knows what he's talking <laughs> about here, <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, so I was shocked when you said, "Hey, we have a caller. It's Russ." So I'm just, you know, I'm <laughs> okay. sharing how gotcha. how excited I am to uh, to have found you guys and, and really enjoy the show and I watch them all. So. Cool. Keep up the good work, it. and thanks for the insight, guys. And uh, back to the bear hunting, which I have yet to do, but plan on doing it soon. So Me too, Russ. So, thanks, thanks guys. Appreciate no all the kind of words. You. Bye. He must have clicked on the uh, link on accident. Um, there was a good question I wanted to – got to find it here real quick. It was right before we put on the, right here it is. Well, I thought I, f I found it. Here, here's another question. Another, another call in or why I look for this question. How's it going, man? Hey, Josh. Hey. Hey, guys. Dan, much respect. I mean, you are definitely my mentor and sensei when it comes to hunting. Thank you. <laughs> That's a new one. That's the sensei. Yeah, I did bump heads like with it. you once on your video when, uh, about saddle hunting, but it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, actually, uh, the question is going to be out for you. Um, I have I had a Russian YouTube channel, and uh, I'm from Ukraine, and uh, I will not be recording in Russian anymore. So I wonder, but I, I do record all my hunts. I love doing it. You know, serves many purposes. I wonder, uh, Josh or Dad, doesn't matter who. Do you guys want me to be? I, I mean, I don't care about a kicking channel. That's not my source of living, nor do I anticipate to grow big uh, following, what have you. Uh, would you guys want me to be sending my videos redacted already to you guys to use on your channels, just for you know as, as additional support? You you could if you wanted to. I mean, well, I, I would consider them. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I don't be as a. Record what it is. Mm -hmm. Last year, hit the week on the biggest buck I ever specifically targeted in public land. Whatever. Uh, so yeah, I record everything, and frankly, I to the point of maybe you mimicking you guys, or especially you, then. Uh, <laughs> uh, Garrett, Garrett, the DIY sportsman, introduced me to hunting beast and and hunting public, and uh, I've been yeah. Uh, just <laughs> I even managed to get an ATA show a couple, three years ago, uh, hoping uh, right out, uh, second year after you released uh, Bistix, hoping that you're going to be there, and you missed it. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, I uh, appreciate your time, and I uh, love the channel. Uh, Josh, keep on keeping on. Uh, hey, thanks, it man. Takes time to, it takes time to build it, and 
Uh, yeah. Please don't get discouraged if uh, right now you only have uh, 200 million subscribers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, I hope, I hope, All right, guys. I hope everybody, I hope everybody's safe uh, where you're from and everything. So um, I, all my family is here in uh, Northern Illinois, so we're good. Yeah. But I appreciate it. All right, all right take thank care, you. guys. All right. Thanks. Let's see here. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. I just had that other question up here. Um, it was essentially he was asking if if we think that uh, rain actually can wash away your scent. You know how people will say I'll go in and uh, check trail cameras and stuff uh, while it's raining or right before rain to get your scent washed away. You got any thoughts about that, Dan? I'd say yes and no. Yeah. The, the typical or ain't a good answer for that. Um, I do believe that uh, that it's hard to wash away your human scent with rain, especially if it's in timber. Because some of your scent to land by the bases of trees and stuff where the rain ain't hitting and stuff. Uh, I do think the heavier and the longer the rain, the more likely your scent's going to dissipate. I also think that after a rain, uh, something happens with your scent because it doesn't seem like deer react as hard to it. But I have watched... Um, hounds um track deer and track other critters and stuff in wet and rainy conditions very well um but if it gets to be an excessive rain then they start to lose the trails they start to lose interest in those tracks telling me then if it's a heavy enough rain it will wash your scent away um but again in certain timber conditions and and uh areas where not all the ground's going to get wet it will hold some of your scent, but I think that uh, there is something about the rain. If your scent gets wet, I think it changes a little bit. I, I still think deer react negatively to human scent always, but uh, they might not react as much to watered down scent. I mean, maybe it uh, appears as aged. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I actually think the guys at Exodus, are, they did a study on, I don't think their videos came out yet, but they're getting ready to, I think sometime talk either either on a podcast or something. They did a study about how much water it takes to wash away human scent. Um, they didn't really tell me any specifics, but they said it was an awful lot of water. <laughs> so okay. um, that's kind of what a, I was saying. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I didn't always believe that. I mean, so if you found some earlier stuff for me, you'd see, you know, if you go back uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I think I, I uh, preached, uh, right you know right before rain to go do all your stuff um i still think it's a it's a good opportunity to do it before rain yeah but i think uh after studying uh uh the way dogs scent and the way deers react to my scent um after rain that i feel a little different about it now yeah yeah the rain's in my opinion good for a whole lot of other things though like you can you're, you're quieter when it's raining you're Mm-hmm. You know, there's more movement in the woods, so deer aren't going to be able to pick you out as easy whenever there's, you know, stuff dropping off leaves and whatnot. So, um, I think it helps you, but you, you know, oh, I yeah. think, uh, what people don't realize is you know, it really dissipates scent even better. You got a guess? Wind, carbon, correct. correct. Wind, carbon. I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> Wind. And I'm a dough killer. <laughs> Ozone. <laughs> oh, did somebody I say just... ozone? 
Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, if you guys uh, are in the big buck stuff now and you want me to jump off, I'm I'm happy to, but I'm happy I, to stay on. Oh no, you're we're we're all good. We're we're about done anyways, Lou. We're uh we're kind of dried up on the questions and no more call ins, so we could just uh we could just wrap it up. Um anyway, Lou, do you wanna pitch it pitch your uh pitch stealth outdoors real quick? My gosh, you just gave me an elevator pitch. I hate to pitch stuff, you know. If well, you haven't just tell them where they can find you, Jesus. Stealthoutdoors.com. <laughs> okay, there you go. If, if you haven't heard of us by now, just go to stealthoutdoors.com and thank you, Josh, for all you do. Dan, thank you for all you do. But I wanted to jump on and talk bear hunting, and I was texting Josh, and I kept getting the damn link wrong. And I, I, I think was, I think you were going to an old one I sent you. Uh, I was, I was backstage. Yeah. I thought, oh, he's going to bring me on any time. And he's like, no, you got to hit the new link. Well, I don't know how to hit the new link. So I finally hit the new link. So here I am, but. Um, I'm really looking <laughs> forward to doing a bear camp with you someday, uh, Lou. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. Chase lions with you sometime too. If we can find somebody to chase them for us. Oh my yeah. God. We that's thought good. we had somebody last year and they doubled the price on us and. Hey, you get a kid in college and you got to be price conscious, right? So, hey, yep. buy your stealth strips so me and Dan can go lion hunting. Well, before you hop off here, Lou, we got actually got two, a couple more people called in and then someone asked asked you a question, Lou. They asked. Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, yeah, they did. This is very uh, relevant to you here. What's the well, life of a stealth strips? As well, far as how long will they last? I, I, the stealth strips on the stand I bought off of Dewey, he put on there in 2010. We started making them around 2010. He sold me the stand in 2014. I don't use it as much as you or Dan use a stand, but they're still on there. I put a couple pieces in the back of my pickup truck in 2018, and I just did a video and put it up on our Facebook channel. So that was in there for four years in the back of my truck in Michigan. Sun, rain, snow, blah, blah, blah. And I hit it with a 3,600 PSI pressure washer, and it didn't cut it off. So occasionally and i've heard it three times and we've had i mean in the years thousands and thousands of orders but in the three years i've heard people say why do they fall off in the rain and i'm like they don't fall off in the rain or you got a bad stealth strip we cannot test every stealth strip we sell or we would have nothing to sell right so if your stealth strips fell off in the rain call me i'll replace them they shouldn't fall off in the rain they should last five ten years i've never seen them fall off yeah they um, don't fall I saw a comment on uh, Facebook uh, the other day um, where people were talking about uh, somebody was talking about replacing his uh, cables on his stand on the on his B stand with good uh, luck with uh, Amsteel. Okay, and because uh, it's stronger because it makes less noise, and he was wondering about how to coat it. And I mean, number one, replacing um professionally tested for safety cables is a very bad idea even if it's rated stronger it's not tested in that application so so beyond that um somebody answered him and said nothing beats putting a stealth strip on your cable you know or, or a cable silencer and uh, his response was um no i, I want to use something that ain't going to fall off in a week and I thought to my, myself, my God, when have I ever seen them things fall off? Yeah. So this don't. guy's never used one. He's just assuming. But yeah. uh, um, you and me had a conversation that got you started in uh, stealth strips. 
Yes. And it was about uh, my boot squeaking on my cable when it got wet. And uh, I want you to build something for that. I still have that stand that you originally gave me uh, stealth strips to put on those cables. Yep. And I'd be hard pressed to find anybody who could pull those off. And they're still on her. And, and what is that? Uh, how many years ago is that? 2009, Dan calls me up. It's October. You still had your old site. I won't even mention the name, your old site. And you and I had started to kind of talk on that site, you know, PM or whatever. And we met at the Lansing Deer and Turkey Show. So Dan calls me up in October. I think it was 2009. And my phone rings. Some Wisconsin number. We weren't even, you know, f really friends at that time. And, uh, Lou, Dan, uh-huh, good. W what's the big buck serial killer calling Lou for? And you go, I squeaked my boots. I squeaked my rubber boot on my coated cable. I want and you to make me some cable silencers. Yeah, you were Mr. Quiet. Yep. And uh, I, we talked for a while, and I got off the phone, and my wife goes, oh, is that the guy that owns the site you're always on? You know how... Uh oh, I thought maybe that was going to happen. He, he was, uh, he was buffering. All right, let's. Uh, we got I a couple. Leave on him. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. <laughs> All right, we'll. But, we'll uh, uh, anyways, what I was getting at was uh, those original cable silencers he built for me. Yeah. Cell strips are still on that stand and won't come yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. So they they stay on. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we got a couple guys called in here. Bear Hunter. How you doing? Spelled spell differently though than bear. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've never never hunted a bear in my life. Uh, I'm missing the mustache, Dan. Like uh, you gotta you gotta bring it back. In a week it'll be back. Want me to grow yeah. it right now? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I keep mine year round, so everybody does no shave November. I do no shave all year, but uh, yeah. I'll have a beard. I'll have a beard like Josh uh, here in a little bit, but I'm still in the nice. service, so I can't uh, can't grow one yet. So right. this is all I'm allowed. Um, but my uh, main thing is, I, I just I just found out about you guys this year, and you've kind of changed my whole outlook on how I want to hunt in the future because uh, it's how I used to hunt when I was a kid. And like getting back into it, I haven't bow hunted in about ten years. I'm probably going to buy a new one this year just because you guys gave me the itch. But I've brought my yeah. rifle hunted for. Oh, probably the last 10 years because uh, we have a piece of private that we have permission to hunt down in Kentucky. It's about 55 acres, about half egg, half woods. But what I can't figure out is I've got, I've got about 160 inch typical like on camera. Like he's, he's been there. This is the third year I've watched him and like he's breeding every doe in the area. Cause every, every young buck looks like him around the area but I can't figure out how to hunt him because it's real weird how it sets up. Cause it's like a steep uphill slope with the egg and then it drops off in a woods and it's got one finger that comes out right on the edge uh, in the center of this wood lot. And it drops off into a Creek. And I know he's got to be bedding somewhere in that upper third. And I found one of the beds he used one year and there's absolutely no way I could get in there. Cause we're surrounded by other private parcels. I'd have to come up the Creek bed and get in behind him. But I'd like, and the only way I could hunt him on that was, was from a, like a, it was like a Northeast wind, which you almost never get. And I got, I got one week 
like basically of hunting because i mean again i have to take leave to go out there to try to put this deer on the ground so like what would what would be your ideal strategy to try to get in there because i got youth season coming up here in two weeks and i've got one spare uh cell camera that i could put up in there but i want to try to get in there and scout during youth not to blow my kids hunts but right after we get done with youth season i could sneak in there for a day and just do some good scouting like what would you be looking for no you can't when does it open your season no season opens in uh it would be like the 12th of november through the 28th of november so i mean it's peak rut season in, so in Kentucky. And say what? Are you just talking gun? Yeah, I I can only gun hunt there right now. I, again, I don't have a bow right now. So, like, that's the only season I have to get in there and try to hunt him. So, I mean, I've got long-range shots, but I don't want to – I don't want to – I mean, I'm probably, like, was, next week going to be buying a bee stand and sticks to try to get, figure to that part out. Be, uh, the first week of September, which is open with bow. Um, yeah. That's what I'm say. Um, but with, with a gun, I think I would just um, – I would try and get as close as I can and get as high as I can and get to where I can see an area and, you know, from the downwind side and get as close as you can. I mean, it's, it's, I was thinking about getting a south southwest tough. wind in that bed that I knew he was in, like doing some scouting and see if he's actually using that bed and marking sign up in there and using a, a rub line or anything up in there. Cause I mean, it's going to be real obvious which one. So when did you find this bed? It was, it was on like the north, the northest farther farthest most north point of the ag field mm-hmm. like laying on the on the back side of that peninsula that juts out where he mm-hmm. had the wind blowing straight up over the top of the hill and into the trees and he can see clear down that entire tree line and there's all kinds of doe bed uh along along the ridge line right there uh, just along a fence row basically there's doe beds mm-hmm. all the way through there and he can look down clear over that whole valley and he has the run of it like he would know you're coming from a mile away mm. And there's no way you're getting up behind him because he's got the wind blowing straight up into him. And with the way the valley dumps in there, I mean, it's just it's just a, a dump straight down into that river bottom. Like he could smell you from ages away. There's no way you're getting behind him. In the morning real early and get up real high and um, stay where your thermals aren't going to hit him or your wind and just get as high as you can overlooking that area. And get Try right to beat in. him to his bed. Yeah, I'd get in there really early and get real high up and just – good chance you get busted but i think that's your best opportunity in that situation well i mean we've busted this deer out of his bed probably two or three times and he goes i mean he's never left his property he always comes here because it's real low pressure we only hunted a week out of the year mm-hmm. so he knows he's safe there during gun season when everybody's blowing everything out of the woods he, he comes in there and he lays there and can't nobody touch him yeah but you can apparently i can't touch him either morning so morning and he comes back i mean uh, i think that might be your best option all right well, I'll try to get in there and do some scouting just for just for one day and see if I can find something that I can set up on. And I'll, I'll probably try to get in there. Probably, I mean, I'll, I'll get up at 4 o'clock in the morning if I got to to get back in there and sneak back in there and just set up a stand real quick and get day. into it. No, I'll sit there the whole day. Yeah. I'll wait. I'm going to wait for a cold front. I'm not blowing my opportunity on him. No. So, like, I'm, I'm going to wait for that cold cold front that week. I'll hunt somewhere else. I'll, I'll hunt a public piece or something a couple days if I have to. Take some yeah. does. So, Get the right wind and the right uh, day and go for it. I'd agree Perfect. with that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the advice, us, guys. I, yeah, I enjoy listening to you and changing. I, I'm, I'm not too far from where you hunted, Josh. This, oh, really? This last, I'm, I'm, I live in Omaha right now. So. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. So, um, I found myself wondering which, which stretch of public you were hunting. I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to let him have it. I'll, I'll find oh, my there own. There you go. 
So. All right, man. Well, uh, let us know if you get him. Oh, well, I will. I'll, I'll be posting right. pictures for sure. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to film this year too. I may not try to film that hunt because I'm gonna be multitasking a bunch of things. But I'll definitely. I'll definitely take pictures of them and get them to you if you guys if I get him. Awesome, All man. Right. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye. All right, we got one more. Oh, here's Mike. I'm, I'm not too far from. I'm in the show, honey. Right? Yep. Hey. I live in Omaha right now, so. Hey, Mike, okay. can you yeah. uh, can you so, the other uh, show going on there? Which which stretch of public you were hunting? I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm gonna let him have it. I'll, I'll find. Okay. You had a sorry, it Mike. Was, it was playing the record of the last guy. Yeah, I know. I think he has. I think Mike has uh, two screens oh, going he, or something. Oh, he had it playing, yeah with the yeah. delay um yeah mike had to had to figure out your audio thing there we can't can't hear we can't hear your you gotta shut off the, the the show while he's talking yeah let's see if he figures it out can you hear us now mike hey, can you uh i can hear you can you hear me yeah can you turn off that other you got two uh screens going or something are you watching can, on can you hear me now yep can you hear us? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I think he has. Okay. Sorry, Mike. We tried. All right. Here, we got a couple donations here, Dan. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. There's the Lou. And then, Russ, you didn't. You're good, man. You didn't interrupt us. <laughs> um, but I appreciate the couple dollars there. So, um, yeah, for, for Mike, if he uh, tries calling in a different time, uh, you got to turn off the show while you're uh, you're on. Or yeah. echoes in the background. Yeah, I think he may have had it on a uh, TV or something or mm -hmm. another computer Different device. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, guys, we've been on here for an hour and a half now, so we'll let Dan get to bed. Got to get up and. It'd be nice if I actually got some sleep one night. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Right. You don't have to work tomorrow, do you? Just for Carol. No, I got. I got to go run uh, Carol for her errands in the morning. Yep. But then I plan on getting back and uh, going hunting. Mm -hmm. I'm going hunting this weekend. I'm taking uh, like one of my cousin's boys hunting this youth youth season this this weekend here. So they own 40 acres. They just want me to take him out there. Their dad dad has something going on, so um, I'll be mentoring a, a young young man this weekend. Nice. <laughs> so, all right. Well, everybody, we will see you uh, next week sometime. Um, See you, everybody.